You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Before you ask, yes, it is back. It is back. I have had it confirmed chatting to one of uh, our Northside young adults who works for Target. SodaStream is making a comeback. I know, I know, praise Jesus. <laughs> and I, I like why this is so exciting for a guy like me, because if you're from my era, my vintage, as a kid, you're always stuck with this bland stuff called water. And, uh, and, and it was always every kid's dream and ambition to be able to turn their water, almost like Jesus did something at Cana, into this beautiful stuff called Coke. And if only we had a soda stream, you know, we'd be able to infuse uh, into our drinks a fizz and um, a freshness and a power and an effervescence into our drinks. It was a mystery, right? It was a mystery. How? Where did this stuff come from? Now... As we continue this series called Expats, uh, we have been coming to see that throughout the Bible, it's part of God's plan that he takes his people and he goes and plants them into often hostile or in different types of territories as far as faith in him comes. And, and so he calls those people to live lives that are distinct. And the question that keeps popping up for all of us as we read through this is, well, how does that happen? How do I live a life that um, you know, allows me to remain calm in the face of a boss who might be a bully? How do I stay bold in the face of ridicule? How do I exhibit radical generosity when everyone out there, out there seems to be for themselves? How do I muster the courage to even share my faith with the person next to me? And the thing that God gave me this week is that it's probably not just about following the example of a mighty man like Daniel. I mean, after last week's example in Daniel chapter 1, and he stands up to the great king Nebuchadnezzar, I'm thinking, who really, really does that in their faith life, right? You know, we struggle with this sort of stuff. And so I thought tonight, this passage, really what it's saying to us is you need a spiritual fizz. You need spiritual effervescence. You need spiritual power. You need the God that is the great soda stream to inject that into your life. Somehow I'm going to get that out of this Bible passage from the Old Testament. You watch. If you want to read with me, it's going to be Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 through to 35. Basically what's happening here, it's a couple of years on from the time in which Daniel decided not to eat the king's food. Remember it wasn't because there was no explicit rule about not eating the food, it was because he just felt he was going to be crossing a line. Now he's at another point in which he feels like he's going to have to cross a line. The king's had this incredible dream, doesn't know what it means, and in walks Daniel. The king asked Daniel, also called Belshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has shown King, he has shown king Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. And as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I've got greater wisdom than other living men, uh, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold. 
its chest and arms of silver, its belly of thighs, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly out of iron and partly of baked clay. And while you're not watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. And then the iron and the clay were bronze and the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Wow. Now you might be wondering too tonight, why have I got a Mentos on my chair? Are you trying to tell us, Sam, that we've all got bad breath or something like that? Am I trying to facilitate a bit more conversation at church? Um, No, I want you to do an experiment for me a bit later on, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, we've got to understand what his dream's about. Don't you have those sorts of dreams all the time, big golden statues? Uh, and, And really, when I came to this passage tonight, as you approach the book of Daniel, you can think of it this way. Why don't we take these amazing Bible characters and look at how they show us how to live our lives? And, and part of what I saw through this passage, that this is not so much a passage about two characters, Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, as it is a passage about two kingdoms. Uh, two kingdoms, the kingdom of man or humanity and the kingdom of God. In other words, the kingdom of bland is like the kingdom of man. And then you've got the kingdom of pop, which if you're American means soda. And that rhymed with God, so that's as close as I'll get to it. But you get what I'm saying. Is it, is it nothing overly hermeneutical in what I'm saying tonight? It's just, it rhymes. Um, but what, what did the dream mean when we first look at the kingdom of man or the kingdom of bland? You see, many interpretators look at this passage and they try and interpret it in all sorts of different ways. Oh, the dream meant all these things. They try and piece it together. Yeah, you know. Um, each of the bits of the statue was a, a certain empire, the, the Babylonian Empire and the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire. And they sort of match everything backwards and say that there were all these empires that, that, uh, that, that would fall. And this was what God was predicting. And we saw that Rome fell to the Christians. And therefore, this is what he was prophesying. That's a bit too difficult for me. I think it was simpler than that. In fact, I think, I think the first hint is Nebuchadnezzar knows it's simpler that, than that. Look at, look at his reaction to the dream. A couple of verses 2, 5 and 12 from this passage. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his mind was troubled and so he couldn't sleep. Then in verse 5, he says, If you don't tell me what my dream was, I'll have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. 12, this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon. You know what this guy needs? A chill pill. He needs 500 milligrams of chillaxan. If there was such a drug, why... Why was this guy so anxious? Why was he flipping out? Why was he going crazy? Or kill all these wise men? I think it's because of many of the dreams are more obvious than we think. You see, it's so obvious that the king already knows what it, what it means. You know, what's the dazzling figure? Let's have a look through here. Verse 32, the head of the statue was made of pure gold. Its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron and feet partly of baked clay. You see... Um, the dazzling figure from this dream, um, it, it wasn't the real dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. You see, if you want to go and flick through the book of Daniel, you'll see that um, he had a much bigger and grander dream. 
a dream that he would build a statue like this. Uh, he would build a figure that would seem as glorious and marvelous and this great colossus that would stand across the plains of Babylon and exercise his wonderful power. He'd already had a dream and it was a dream of his kingdom. The kingdom of Bland. The kingdom of man. And don't all of us in some way before we come and meet God have dreams like that? We come in, we dream of all the great things that we're going to do in our lives and all the great successes that we're going to have and all the things that we're going to do and the great things that I'm going to study and we start building these statues in our lives. You see, the overarching story of the Bible all the time is that the people in the kingdom of Bland are always building statues. I mean, what about the person who's obsessed with working out at the gym all the time and how they look? Are they building muscles? No, they're building statues of beauty and self-reliance. What about the... The person who's obsessed with, with what everyone else thinks about them, they're building statues of reputation. What about the person who is obsessed with um, money and what their bank account looks like? You know what they're doing? They're building a statue of security, financial security. Before we meet God, we're always building statues. We're all, we've all got the same sort of dream. And so while our dreams um, are, are, are not that much different, um, from Nebuchadnezzar in quality, they are in quantity. He just had big dreams, but it's the same stuff as his. And so yet, you know, this king dreams of building a statue. He was rich and powerful, probably one of the top 10 in the in history of powerful men. And yet something as small as a dream still upsets him. Why is that? It's because his dream breaks into his life and it says, your life ain't as solid as you think it is breaks in and, and says, look at it, this, this silly rock comes down. Verse 34, it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and it smashed him. He's saying his statue looks great at top with his golden head, but it's flimsy, it's fragile, it's built on feet of clay. You see, see now why he was so anxious? Get why he was flipping out? He needed to chill out? You see, what God was saying to Nebuchadnezzar in his dream, and what he's saying to us is that when you build your dream on anything other than him, you're going to get butterflies. You know that sick, sort of nauseous feeling, you know, like you're going down a roller coaster 24 hours a day. You ever had that? That sense of anxiety and, and churning inside and nervousness and, and nail-biting feeling. Um, when you build your dream on something other than God, that's what happens. That's the telltale. So can you see why he went off the deep end? You see, because what we worry about and often how often we worry often reveals who we think is really in control of the world. And when we think we're in control, then things start to feel a little flimsy. Nebuchadnezzar was trying to build his own kingdom, and the first, for the first time, this mighty king realized that he wasn't the ultimate king, <laughs> that this dream had broken in. And so Nebuchadnezzar, how do I put it? He was trying to sow to pop, so to stream his own life. He was trying to inject in this power and this effervescence and this, uh, this life into his, into his life through his dream and through the statue, and he just knew it doesn't quite work that way, right? So the question for us tonight is, is, is which, kingdom, which kingdom are you building as your foundation? We, we, we sort of worry in the Christian life about what we do and how we do it and how we live the life as an expat and how we live lives of faith as, unbelievers in, as believers in an unbelieving world. And really the question is, are you secretly building a statue for yourself? Who's the one that will look dazzling at the end of your life's works? You know, is it, is it going to be you or is it going to be God? Why are you doing what you're doing? And so here's the meaning of the dream. That is, your, uh, 
It's really the question, is, is your foundation in the kingdom of land? In the kingdom of man, in, 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 in sort of self-statue building, everyone's building someone's kingdom. Are you dreaming about your own? That's the kingdom of man. And then we come to the other kingdom. You see, that's what we see here in the Bible. What do Michael Jackson and God have in common? They're both the king of pop. And... Holy Spirit revealed here tonight, guys. So don't blame me. I'm just a messenger. Look, <laughs> that is God is the great soda stream, guys. God is, God is the one that has the power to inject this life and this power and this effervescence into your life. And that is the second kingdom of the story, and it's symbolized by the rock. You know, verse 35 and 44, but the rock that stuck the st- struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. And in the time of those kings, the God of heaven... This is in verse 44. We'll set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. You see, the kingdom of God is a bit like the Coke in this bottle, right? You see, first and and foremost, I, I don't know about you, but did you ever wonder where these bubbles come from as a kid? It was always a mystery. It always kept me so entertained when I'd go around a you know, family do or Christmas and I would watch these things float out of the middle of nowhere. And I'm thinking, how did it get there? Before I went and did science class and just realized it was carbon dioxide. But aside from that, to me at the time, it was supernatural. It, it, was, it was different. It was a mystery. And, and, and verse 34, he says that it was a rock that was cut not by human hands. In other words, this kingdom that God is talking about is something that is not of this world. It's like these mysterious bubbles that just pop up all the time. It's from the outside, a power from the outside that is infused into the world around us. The other thing and the reason why the kingdom is a bit like this, uh, this Coke bottle here, this kingdom of pop, is that um, the very power within it is not that valuable. Like if you haven't heard, we've got a problem called global warming at the moment. And really that's a result of an excessive amount of carbon dioxide in the air. And when I did science class, these bubbles are carbon dioxide. So why don't they just tell people to just make a whole heap of fizzy drink and where the whole problem's going to be solved? You see, carbon dioxide is free. It's free. It's not of value. And it's the same way that God's kingdom works in this world. It's not flashy. It's not um, fancy. It's not um, easily visible and tangible. It's, it's not of any value. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom, this free non-flashy, run-of-the-mill power. Now look at the progression biblically. Let me get a bit biblical for you, um, if you can't handle the pop analogy here. Um, the progression, the, 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 the gold, the silver, the iron, the clay, can you see the various ways in which um, uh, the various value of these metals were coming down in the dream? And so the, even iron and clay would have been mixed together. There would have been some value in getting that mixed together. But this rock, rock does nothing. just came out of nowhere. And so God uses the dream to show us that his kingdom is not in anything that this world has as far as value and flashiness is concerned. So it's supernatural, but it's also not that valuable by the world's standards. The third one is that it grows over time. It says, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. And in the time of those kings of God, a heaven will set up a kingdom that will be never destroyed or left on other people. It became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. It means the kingdom has already um, begun, even in Daniel's time, and it starts to grow. It starts to grow. 
And so what we get there is that the now but not yet of the kingdom. We hear that all the time in uh, the various gospels and in Paul's theology. This now but not yetness. And look, understanding the now but not yetness of God is absolutely critical if you're going to be an effective believer in an unbelieving world. And here's why. It's got to do with hope. Christian hope is not whimsical, it's not wishful thinking, but it's an assurance and conviction. You see, Christians, I don't know if you've noticed Christians in your life that are going through hardship and pain, but they seem to have this incredible, unique resource to be able to deal with the hardships and the suffering and the trials and the things that are hitting them. And thinking, how the heck are they getting through that? It's because Christians, in their God, they see that their future, the, the love of God and the righteousness of God and justice and right relationship and peace and power, they see their future. Christians know their future has broken into their present. They see that in relationship with one another and in the church. And they know that their kingdom of God is now, but it's not quite yet. It's got to grow. That's what the rock was saying before. And what does it mean for us? Do we just sit back and enjoy I mean, like, just let the kingdom do its thing. What does the now but not yetness mean? I mean, like, if I shook this bottle really hard like this, and then I went and, and twisted. <laughs> why, are you get, why are you guys getting so nervous? You see, nothing's happened, but there's power now. There's power not yet. There's power now, but there's, there's, there's power not yet. You see, until something comes in, and, 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 and changes the whole system and catalyzes that and, and unlocks and realizes that potential. We live in, in the now, but the not yet. And we can experience the power of the now in that regard. And so, uh, look, you've been wondering, what is this Mentos all about? Any of you who are sort of under the age of 25 and at university probably have done this so far. But it's a little thing called the Mentos experiment. And... Uh, that's going to be my charge to you is go and look this up on YouTube because I'm not going to demonstrate it for sake of uh, my job here and as a team member with a church that is a conference center. But apparently if you go and drop a Mentos into a Coke bottle, Diet Coke even does it even better. The whole thing explodes. It just it goes nuts. The, 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 the stream goes way up into the air. Mythbusters even did it. So it's real. It's factual. If those guys have been through it all. So I'm preaching it. I'm preaching truth here tonight. Um, but you see, what does the Mentos do? Um, the Mentos acts as a catalyst, as a trigger for this unimaginable, untapped power and resource. And so what it's saying to us tonight is that there is a power in the kingdom of God, but it needs a catalyst. And so that's what the gospel is. That's why I call it tonight the gospel according to the Mentos experiment. Because God is a great soda stream. And they're back, you know. So he's obviously given it his blessing. And he's, uh, he's infused the world around us with a supernatural and an unexplainable and an intangible and a non-valuable power. The world is just infused with it. And, and, and then he goes along and he, he, he drops his son into the mix. Jesus Christ, the great Mentos, began a catalyst like a Mentos in a Diet Coke bottle. The whole place began to explode. The lame were walking and the blind could see and the sick were healed. You know, and it wasn't just about his miracles, though, was it? it was, what was his message? You know, believe in me for the forgiveness of sins or, or do your duty and maybe, maybe God will bless you or live hard or pray hard or you better be good just because. No, it was because... His message was, no, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God has so streamed the world. 
This incredible untapped power is right in front of your face. He's saying the kingdom is now, it's here, this mysterious effervescence is right in front of your face and you don't even know it. And so in that sense, anyone who calls themselves a Christian is the great catalyst, is a mentos in the Diet Coke bottle that is the world around us. And that is he calls you and I tonight, church, to be a catalyst, a catalyst for love, a catalyst for love in a world that can be so self-centered. A catalyst for peace in a world that can seem to be each other, at each other's throat so much, right? A catalyst for patience when in a world that's got an appetite for instant satisf- satisfaction and gratification. That's our hope. That's our kingdom hope. That we may witness all the good things of God progressively emerging as a powerful reality in the lives of a sister or a, or a workmate or a friend that we want to see um, just come to know that in a new and a fresh way. It's the kingdom of pop, the king of pop. It's powerful, but it's not yet. It needs a catalyst to unlock that, and God calls you into that tonight. And so let's finish with a reflection on how this whole thing ends. You see, in verse 47, the king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. And then it goes on a couple of verses later. Listen to this. This incredible declaration by Nebuchadnezzar. He then, a couple of verses later, chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar then went and made an image of gold, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. You see that? The dream was this incredible shot across the bow of Nebuchadnezzar. So much, it says he fell prostrate in front of Daniel and said, Your God is the God of all gods. And yet... He was impressed, but it was not enough to convert his heart. What it shows to us tonight, guys, is you can still get new information about God and it not impact your life. You can still think God is amazing and incredible and it doesn't impact your life. You can still think he is amazing, but it won't change you. Why? Well, at least in Nebuchadnezzar's case, the dream of the statue was more dazzling. And it got the better of him and he built it anyway. And so, guys, his story is a shot across our bow tonight. You have a choice. A choice in the kingdom of bland or the kingdom of pop. And I've got to ask you tonight, are you statue building? Are you building your kingdom or God's kingdom? And if you're asking, well, how do I know whether I'm doing that or not? I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to live the life. Look, in simple terms, are there butterflies? Deep down, is is there a nervousness and anxiety, a restlessness in knowing that what you're building your life on He's just flimsy and fragile and clay-like. Guys, if, if, if you have got that feeling, I'm not going to prescribe you chillaxan or any other form of um, drugs in that sense. I'm just going to ask you tonight to go and take it with you and to, um, to have a Mentos if you haven't already eaten it. Who's already eaten it? They're all the unspiritual ones. There's the, um, there's the life application from the message tonight. <laughs> hey, I'll give you another one, but... Go, go out into the world and be the Diet Coke Mentos bottle experiment this week. Be a catalyst for change into the unimaginable, untappable power of God in that sense. And watch it unleash around you. Your job this week is just to catalyze the potential energy that is in hand in the kingdom of God through prayer, through humility, through the Holy Spirit. Your job is to recognize that the real battle that's taking place in this world is not non-Christian versus Christian, but kingdom versus kingdom. 
It's bigger than us, guys. It's way bigger than us, guys. And as Christians, that gives us incredible confidence that God is the one at the helm in all of this. But I also speak tonight to the friend here that is just checking all of this God stuff out. You see SodaStream, you see that ad from the 80s, and you think, I want a bit of that. I want want to be fizzy on the inside. I want effervescence. I want power in my life. You know, that can be available to you in the same way that it works in the world. It can work in your life. you just got to drop a Mentos into your life. You've got to drop the original spiritual Mentos in your life, and that is Jesus Christ. By asking him into your life through, through faith, through prayer with us at the back of the auditorium this evening. Do you want that? Do you want that power? It's available to you. How do we live as believers in an unbelieving world? How do we muster up the courage to stay true with bosses that bully us around? How do we stay true and muster up the courage to share our faith with the person next to us? It's not just about following the examples of Daniel, but to understand through the power of, through the power of God, the great soda stream, that it is power we, may, that we need, spiritual fizz, spiritual energy, spiritual mystery, spiritual effervescence, spiritual power. May you experience that week through his power and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, every time we come to your word, our minds are, are taken to a picture that is just far beyond us, Lord. Father, we recognize tonight that... Um, that we have stepped into, as we've seen in, uh, in the baptisms tonight, into um, the greatest adventure that anyone could ever step into. And in that sense tonight, Father, we help uh, each and every one of us uh, recognize um, our role and our responsibility as catalysts for change in our world. Father, may we rest in the confidence that it need not be in our own strength. But Father, you have primed this world through your kingdom. Uh, and you're at the ready, Father, to unleash your love and your mercy and your grace and your power in each and every one of our places, whether it be at home or at work, in the school ground, in the university, in the neighborhood. It's got to be a faith journey, Father. We've got to ask you to open up those opportunities for us this week. It's the only way it's going to happen. Father, tonight, for those that want that, um, that fears, that energy, for those that, um, that are feeling down, lacking that power tonight, whether they call themselves a Christian or they're yet to experience that power in their life, Father, I just pray that you might meet them tonight through your Holy Spirit. They might um, might get your kingdom in a new and a fresh, tangible way. Be with us this week, Father. Empower us, power us through your Holy Spirit. We pray these things now in Jesus' name.